0: What is up, y'all? Welcome back to Star of the Ego, Feed the Soul. I'm so happy to be back in the studio recording new episodes for all of you out there. As a reminder, I'm coaching and working with clients in a one-on-one setting. Please head over to www.nicobaraza.com if you're interested in working with me or you wanna inquire more about what actually goes on in a session. So today we have a very special guest, a good friend of mine, Mr. Landis Bahe. Landis is a nationally renowned artist, muralist, tattoo artist. I met him in such a... uh, serendipitous way. And he's become such a close friend of mine. I've spent hours sitting in the tattoo chair with him as he works on this uh, wonderful sleeve on my left arm. And we have plenty of of new tattoos that are that are in the works as well, too. um, Until I stop. Trust me, I have an end goal here. You might have noticed we had a little bit of a different intro song this morning. That is some original music by Landis Bahe that he played on the flute specifically for this recording of the show. So I wanted to say a huge thanks to Landis for doing that, and hopefully you enjoyed it. But I'm so happy to have Landis on. He's such a deep individual, and not only is he such an incredible creative and um, artist in general, but he's such a deep feeler and an empath. And we get into so much in this episode from childhood trauma to relationships uh, to uh, a bit of background on how he grew up and how he views his parenting situation in a different light throughout growing and progressing as a man. Just some really wonderful conversation here for all of you. And if you're interested in checking out Lannis' art, please head over to his Instagram. I'll throw the link for that in the description. He also has a new website launching in a day or two here. So if you go give him a follow and you check out his art, I'm sure he'll have a link to that website. If you want to potentially work with him uh, with tattoos or buy some of his paintings, I highly recommend it. Uh, the Raven painting over my head in the studio that you often see on Instagram, that is actually The Ruins Within Us, which is the original painting that my first tattoo, the tattoo of my forearm is based after. Um, and that is coincidentally the title of this episode. So without further ado, Mr. Lannis Bahe. All right. My man Landis Bahe, uh, joined me on the show. We've been trying to get Landis on for a while now. Uh, we just had some scheduling stuff. Uh, he's a busy man. So am I. This gentleman is responsible for the beautiful artwork that I have on my arm. Um, and I want to, before I I let Landis sort of share his story, I want to get into how I met Landis. Like I was uh, working for a healthcare system in a marketing department and I was in uh, the behavioral health floor of uh, the the hospital, local hospital where we live. And um, I was, uh, I had a a job that day to go film a piece on on the sort of these artists, these muralists that were getting together to donate their time and their creativity and their artwork to paint these beautiful murals on um, this hallway for, for children that was going to be at this new mental health department. It was, it's an inpatient clinic. So there's a lot of therapists, psychiatrists, all this stuff going on. And so I walk in there and I see, uh, Landis and a, and a couple other gentlemen, um, they're painting. Ah uh, these huge murals. I mean, <laughs> like to be honest, these murals are probably ten, tens of thousands of dollars worth because there's all of these uh, people are, are known for being very, very prominent artists in the area and, and nationally and internationally too. And I struck up a conversation with Landis because he he was a runner and we started chatting about running and I just kept looking at his artwork like he, he had this beautiful hummingbird that was like the the middle piece of this entire mural that he painted and I hummingbird happens to be my favorite animal and I started talking to him and I'm like yeah man I really like been wanting a tattoo for the longest time I just don't know what to get and he's like oh well, I'm a tattoo artist I like I work at this shop and you know the rest was history like we met a sort of mental emotional health connected us um, I've been waiting to find a tattoo artist that I connected with uh, to entrust with like you know putting lifelong work on my on my Body, and uh, little did I know I was going to go through a, a, a separation with someone I loved deeply. Only months after I met Landis, and that's coincidentally when he first started tattooing me. Um, I think he put the first ink on my skin like ten days after my my last separation. So very much nostalgic for me. Uh, and you know, I obviously appreciate Landis so much. And I've spent hours sitting in a tattoo uh, chair with him, you know, just talking about the deeper stuff like soul work, uh, childhood trauma, relationships, grief, loss, anger, you know, um, pain as a man, all these different things we've chatted about. He's such a good dude. Um, his art speaks for itself. Uh, you know, go, I'll put the links to all of his, all of his social media stuff. Go check out his artwork. Uh, he's got some incra- incredible stuff and I'm sure he's got some stuff for sale. Um, and if, you, if you've if you been watching the show recently, let me try this this way. If you look over here, the thing right behind me, um, the ruins within us, this, this painting, this is the painting that actually my first tattoo is based off of. And I walked into Lannis' studio and I was like, I looked at this painting. I was like, dude, like does this thing mean this this and that and he's like yeah no that's pretty much and i'm like dude we have to put this on my body you know this is like the coolest and i love ravens birds obviously but um that's us too much tangent uh but uh we we've became close over the past years of, of him you know tattooing me and we've just became friends and honestly i consider him like a brother now i've learned a lot from just talking with him being able to sit in the chair and just you know if you've never had a tattoo before it's a pretty intimate experience you sit in a chair for hours and hours in uh usually getting the needle stuck in you in a very uncomfortable position and um you know if you have a tattoo artist that's a deep individual you can get into some really amazing conversations you know and we've and we've kind of had multiple podcasts if you will just unrecorded talking about music talking about everything and it just you know really really gotten down to the depths so um landis brother thank you so much for coming on man it's i'm glad to have you back on the show and uh it's it's so such a pleasure to always be able to converse with you
1: hey thanks man Appreciate it. Appreciate all those kind of words, too, about my art and, you know, just our interaction and how things go. It's like, you know, it's really nice how, you know, the, the one that spins the wheel of this ship is puts us together like that. And it's just amazing, you know. You know, um, it's just funny, too. You know, you're talking about the behavioral health unit up there. And then we, were, we did those murals. And it's like, you know, it's funny because... um you know, I'm just really happy to come up on the show. And as I, as I was thinking about the way that we met, I thought about that too. Mm. Um, And I really do um appreciate like, what you have been doing as an individual, you know, reaching out to those that are, you know, you know, healing or on this type of progressive journey in their life to where it's like, you're sharing the experiences and the knowledge that you have with other people that are, parallel in this world with you to help, to heal. And I think too, that's where you and I, we, we became, uh, you know, what we are now, yeah. you know, um, as close as we've been and as close as, you know, two men talking, you know, which is great because it's good. Yeah. It's good for us males to express our feelings, express our thoughts, you know, our insecurities, be vulnerable, you know, and then you really get down to the nitty gritty, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, you know, also, you know, um, I think that's good work that you're doing. Definitely needed. Um, that painting too with the, the ruins within us too is also kind of what I believe that I can bring to the table with my experiences. You know, I, I'm first, I'm, I'm Navajo. So. Um my clan is um Kiaani clan. So <laughs> those that know, you know, that means um basically uh they, they had translated into English as a towering house clan. Most of the clans they have uh, a water in it. So water means uh you know the way that you say that in Navajo is t'o So back in the day, you know, these clans they were formed because you know there was just chaos Mm -hmm. happening so they had to separate um for us to survive and um it was said that you know the the four first beings of these navajo clans um were all on a mission to um to find water because as the people were going through these activities that were you know detrimental to the to the survival of, of us um the gods had taken away water and the only way that we were able to get that back was um, we sent the hummingbird to find water and our changing woman. And and she said, you know what? I'm not going to give you guys water back for the behavior that you guys been doing. So she named the first four clan or she gave the first four beans. OK, this is the clans that you guys are going to go by. And this is a Navajo clan system that I that I heard it to be. But. The first three, they found water for the people because there's like t'ho, t'ho, t'ho. But there's my clan, Kiyo'ani. There's no water in that. It was told that um, we were just kicking back. <laughs> we weren't looking for water. So in in Navajo culture, when you say you're Kiyo'ani, they're like, oh, OK. You're kind of the, the crazy one. You know what I mean? You're the one that's going to be. You know, like sometimes they say, like in this day and age, on the internet, they say, you know, it's the toxic one, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and we say, heck yeah, you know, we're Kiani, you know. So <laughs> introducing myself like that in Navajo, also, but you know, the runes within us too. It's like um, us in our culture, we bring a different. Um, Perspective, of course, everyone has their perspective, but collectively, you know, somebody from my tribe, the reservation, you know, I just feel there's just a different mentality, mm. you know. It's super rich with culture, a different way of living and a different way of life. Yeah. You know, living through, you know, Hujon, and You know, there's similar other perspectives and other, um, you know, like enlightenment or, you know, the, you know, the path, you know, but, you know, those, these things are, they're instilled in us. And those are a part of, you know, what we pass down through generation through generation, the ruins within us, you know, you see in that painting, you see a little stripe of like um, a pattern, like similar to the one that's in the back of me now. And so we bring that, you know, but it's one thing that I think that I can shed some light on is being Navajo and being in this world is just, it's two different things. What do you mean by that? It's like, it's because there's a lot of things for an example like just owning property Mm -hmm. i was asked one time like you know why don't you just go to anywhere in the reservation and just open up open up what you want open up a business i'm like well that's not how it is you remain in the area that your family is and this is family from generation generation has been passed down this land Mm -hmm. This land has Hogan, this land has sheep, this land has, you know, all of the rich things that we needed for survival, you know. Um And a lot of us, the way that we um connect ourselves, because, you know, to be Navajo is like you're, you're connected to the earth, mm. you know, you go with the earth mm. rather than against it, mm. like turning on the light switch and staying up after dark. You really don't do that on the reservation. Mm-hmm. Some places do, of course. Yeah, but back in the day, it's like when that sun went down, hey, you know what? You better get ready to go to sleep. And then when it came up, you're going to greet it before it comes yeah. up. You take use of that. So there's a different way that, You're living, you know, like, oh, I'm a late night study guy. You know, I I study late at night. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, well, back in the day, they used to have to burn a little uh, kerosene lamp to study like that, too. You know, so, you know, it's like um, there's certain things that you do throughout the year. There's harvest. There's planting the way that we name the 12 months, you know what i mean? It's not, you know, the months are kind of like made up, right. but the way that we kind of conform to them is the way that the months are labeled in Navajo, you know? It's like um you know, it's it's with the season. Yeah. Right? Like one of them is uh is called a baby eagle. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what, what does February mean? You know what I mean? So it's like March, mm-hmm. but you know, baby Eagle is like, you know, that they, they birth at this time of year, right. they're not going to be like, Hey, you know what? We're, we're looking for a Christmas baby. Yeah. They're going to be like, you know, what we're going to, so we're like that. You know, a lot of things that we do is, is because of the crops yeah how we plant and how we harvest and how what we use for those, and the ceremonies that we have the ceremonies are dictated by the seasons too,
0: you know that's one thing I've always been really drawn to with the navajo people <coughs> Navajo culture <coughs> is it, <coughs> is uh you're right there <laughs> sorry to talk Atlantis. I just want to make sure I was, like, going to lose my first guest on the show here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that water sneaks up on me. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Remember my clan. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, yeah,
0: no coincidence this year, my friend. Um, yeah. One thing I really love about the Navajo people, and and just, is this is, like, sort of intrepid magic within the culture that, like, these people are, are living with the land, not on the land. You know, they are part of the land. And I, and I think that's such a beautiful sentiment for, for all cultures to embody. And there's other cultures that embody it too. Um, but I think as a society, we've kind of grown away from that. Whereas a a lot of Navajo and indigenous cultures have have still kind of stayed strong and stayed true for the most part to that and you know, I I think it almost you bringing up this sort of relationship with the land and how months are named. It reminds me just of what's written on your T-shirt, which is like a sticker that that you gave me. Um, one of our first tattoos is "I love Diné Bekeha, right? And can you yeah, can you tell? Yeah, can you can you tell us? Uh, you know what that means exactly?
1: Well, of course, you know it's kind of like um, it's kind of like um. So Diné, it basically means the people. So what do you call yourself different from a fox mm. or a bird, like we are all life here, you know? So we call ourselves the net, you know, we don't, you know, it's, it's kind of like, that's what it is with the, it's the people of the earth. Mm-hmm. Bekeya, be, means there, or it means like, kind of like, we're talking about the people. Mm-hmm. Eya means like, mm, that one's hard to explain in English because, you know, you have all these people that they have a different interpretation. Some people will say reservation, mm-hmm. but reservation is just a made up, yep. you know, it. but you know what you're talking about when you say, oh, that's a reservation. Right. But, you know, some people, you know, they call it, you know, like that's where we... Our dwelling, like you're saying is like, we don't own the land. So it's not like we're saying that that's, you know, like if you were to say, like, I love Arizona, mm-hmm. you know exactly where that's at, right. but you know, we're connected to that and we are from that. So some people will interpret that as home, you know, the home of where they're from. And that's where I'm talking about the sheep, mm-hmm. the sheep, ceremonial hogan you know the i mean like and it's great like you mentioned you know that we live parallel to another um culture that's advancing and all these other things beautifully and we get to be a part of that as well Mm -hmm. and that's where i feel that i have a perspective on that because i grew up you know primarily in flagstaff so it's like i went to the reservation on the weekends and during the summers. And I was blessed to have that. And then I was blessed to have a traditional lifestyle, but also I was blessed to have a family that was, um, into Christianity that are Christians. Um, and you know, going back to that, it's like, you know, the perspective and the, the mentality, I think of, of some of, um, People from my culture is just super beautiful. It's it's super, it's really hard to explain. It's like, it's like, you know, they're just super good, you know, with like little things that, you know, sometimes we take for granted, like turning on the light or turning on the water faucet. Mm -hmm. Sometimes some people let it run a little bit and they're like... They close it, they reuse it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just different. But, you know, also, you know, just going out there, it's just, you know. But another thing that, you know, that I really want to touch on, too, is what I grew up with. And I grew up in a world that was super beautiful, you know, because, you know, these things that I put on through my art is what I experience. you know. I've seen in ceremonial occasions where this basket that's behind me on these, that's painted, was turned over and used as a drum on the earth. But I also lived in Flagstaff where the liquor store was down the street. And I grew up in a, in a world where it was unstable yeah. as a child, you know? And I think that that's where You know, it's affecting a lot of men like me. A lot of young men out there in my tribe, in neighboring tribes like, you know, Hopi, Pueblo tribes that are here. Any tribes that's out there, you know, that, you know, alcohol affects us differently. You know, it's just. We it hasn't been in our culture, but only maybe a hundred years, right? Yeah, people people really don't. Re- I mean, when you told me that,
0: I actually didn't even realize that, you know. Um, and and then I it got me thinking. I was like, wow, that makes so much sense, you know, because it's such a new thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, like there's some people they say that they were drinking wine with Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like just physically adapting the body to that. Right. It's like you know, like we. We didn't have that. We didn't have that as a part of our. Right, right. Yeah, I think that we drink water and soda is bad enough. But you know, like (laughs) you start mixing alcohol and you start mixing that with, you know, um, generational trauma and you know things that have happened in my parents' life that you know when they came together and they had me Mm. and my siblings, you know. It was alcohol and everything yeah. that came with alcohol. It was domestic violence. It was, um, and that was like some of the worst. And some of these, some of these occasions out here, um, with my people and, and neighboring, it's like it, it turns into, um, suicide. Yeah. It turns into, uh, homicide, you know, all these life threatening things. And I think that's where I really want to make. Um, I want to be vocal about my experiences because when you grow up in a household that's number one has alcohol and it's in an unhealthy manner, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, violence and extreme just pff, extreme violence, but anything that comes with that, right. even if you grow up in an environment where you, you know, you don't have an alcohol, there's still some things like lies and deceptions yeah. and like, um trust the there's no foundation. So you grow up in a world where it's unstable. And what that does is to the child when you hear your parents coming home or your dad coming home and you're like, holy shit, you know, like is this guy drunk? Or is she drunk? What what you got you gotta gauge them. Right. You gotta figure out, you know, what's going on, you know. Oh maybe we're two beers in. We're During this process that happens over and over repetitively, what happens is you're banding yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's a form of, like, codependency Mm -hmm. that's enriched in some individual as, like, okay, am I going to have to hide? Am I going to have to try to be nice? Am I going to have to, you know, um, am I going to get love? Because some of it's not violence. Some of it's like, hey, I got cause you know what happens when people you know drink something you know, their personality changes right sometimes they shower with you with money sometimes they're gonna, they're gonna kick you out of your own home yeah. you know This I mean? right. it's just, it's crazy you never know so during that process you know that happens like that you know and i know that a lot of people go through this and a lot of parents they have you know their own children have went through that and they they changed their lives but what happens is the residual Now you're coding the mind with how to survive. Mm -hmm. And those things are not applicable to the outside world. So what happens is, I believe, is that you're going to attract that scenario. Replaying those scenarios as your child trying to fix what was happening as an adult, And you're going in it like, you know, um, through, with me, it happened through other relationships. So, you know, it's like, um, yeah, you remind me of my mom. Oh, my dad had to It's, if you look back on it and you look at, you know, your life like that, it's, you know and you know coming from that environment these were not the most healthiest people so the ones that i was gravitating towards um yeah. were fitting that profile just perfectly it, it rep- so it's so sorry go ahead it's like you know like how hard do you work at things that that you love mm. somebody and how hard would you work at something for that, you know, and you should be doing that for yourself. But when you're in that state of mind, when you've been programmed that way, you know, it's all normal, right? It's not until you actually be like, oh, shit, well, this part of my 20s, this happened, this part of my 30s, you know, I've been through this, this and this and that. And then you start looking, okay, are understanding it a little bit more because, you know, there are, you know, through my experience, I, I never knew. Right. I was like sick, so to say. I was just, my mind programmed me in that battlefield to survive. Yes. Right. And those survival techniques are not going to work in any type of healthy relationship. You right. know what I mean? Right. So being in those relationships, being in those type of predicaments, Man, they can wreak havoc on your life. Art has been my foundation, so I was very blessed. And we are, you know, we're as as people too. We're very creative. We we make things with our our hands, Mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, um, yeah, that's a little bit about that. You know what I mean?
0: You're describing this process, Landis, that we spoke about before we got on air, which is like coming from this unconscious state of living. To this more conscious state of living not that you're fully conscious because we're still finding out new things but you know i can really relate to that sentiment because when we talk about romantic relationships specifically like you know there's so many times that i was doing things in relationships whether it's like acting out of anger or resentment or you know saying something hurtful or doing something hurtful you know, just alongside the things that I was doing that were good, but that I was unconscious to where they were coming from. You know, I was consistently sort of blaming them or putting them on what my partner was doing in their relationship or how I was feeling because of what my partner was doing. And I wasn't allowing myself to take responsibility or accountability for owning what I was doing, you know? And you're you're speaking to this, and, and that's what I love about the the painting and the, the <laughs> this tattoo is based on, is the idea of the ruins within us, is that we cannot escape where we come from, right? We can't change what our past experiences are, but we can become more aware and more conscious of how they affect us in our present, right? And so that way when we get into a relationship or we're seeking certain individuals for romantic partnership or for friendship, we can be more aware of what we're seeking and why. You know, are we seeking something that reminds us of our, of our, of our dad or our mother? Are they the healthy qualities that are in them or are they the unhealthy qualities, right? The addictions, the anger, the deception, the manipulation, those things. And that's what I love about you bringing that up because it just, there's like this full circle thing going on in my head now because like this painting, just the title alone, like the ruins within us, it's like where we come from versus like where we are. And this, you know, you paint this beautiful raven that's soaring through these ruins of this rubble and rising over another set of ruins. And, and it's sort of this embodiment of really, you know why i started this podcast in the first place was to discuss the deeper parts about being human uh, ultimately to heal be better h- human beings to each other and contribute greater to society and to culture and you know i really respect you being able to to speak on this as a man because i don't not a lot of men are speaking about this but like owning you know where you come from in the fact that like you know, you don't get to choose what situation you're born into, but we absolutely get to choose how we respond to it when we become adults. Right. And so over your years, you've seen patterns and you've seen things, you know, happening within yourself and within your partners. And I certainly have too, but it's so interesting because if you were to ask me five years ago, I would be a completely different, I would have a completely different perspective, be a different person, you know, probably would have made a couple more excuses, probably wouldn't have owned some of my shit, you know? And now it's like, man, I, I always hesitate to say I see it all because I don't know if we ever do, but, but I see a lot of it. You know, I see a lot of the unhealthy qualities that I was embodying. Um, a lot of the unhealthy behaviors that I was repeating, you know, you brought up the word pattern and, and we, we behave in patterns, you know, continuously. And, um, you know, I remember talking to you on the phone uh, multiple times, you know, we were both going through separations and just to hear both of us going through this oscillation, you know, of like self-doubt, self-hatred, and then like feeling better and then going back down. And, and that really is just, I think, part of being human. But I think the, the beautiful part of this conversation is that here you sit in front of us talking to all of us listening and you are different than who you were because at some point you were like, hold on a second. Uh, what I'm doing is not healthy and I need to change it, you know, and you empowered yourself to take the steps necessary to work on your shit, to own your shit. And I'm a firm believer that we can never fully give to a partner if we don't fully see ourselves first, you know, and I know you, you agree with that sentiment too. Um, And that's why it's been, you know, such a, a blessing to to hear you say that because, you know, I hope more people can arrive to this conclusion where, you know, we stop pointing our fingers at everybody else. You know, we can be real with what happened to us, the trauma we experienced, but ultimately when we hit a certain age, it's like, it's ours to own and to shape shift and to change in the way we want to mold, to make ourselves healthier, better individuals, you know, and it's not to say we won't experience sadness or anger or these other emotions that are part of being human, but how we respond to the experiences is, Indicative of you know what what we're doing what we're doing in life. Hold oh, on, my dogs are going crazy. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> They're probably barking at mailman or
1: something. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I I think that um, <laughs> I can hear. You know, I think that um, there's a certain type of perspective that I look at through the interactions of not only my people but everybody that we interact with you know Mm -hmm. i mean i think that you know you and i came together too because we were both um healing right so therefore you know past the painting past the tattoos there's there's the the person that's controlling this whole ship or not the person but you know the creator is going to put these things in our lives for us to to wake up to you know like okay these relationships were meant to be in my life because of how i acted and how i was not because like okay that's how this person is they're bad people because of that you know like everyone has trauma right everyone's had shit yep and that's like you know in my in my perspective too you know and it's like that's Kind of the mentality when you're born into this world, you know, some people, you know, they look at a beautiful baby and they're like, oh, my God, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But some people, they're not ready, mm. you know. Some people are alcohol, you know, like, it's already like, you know, like. Take for an example, like a group of people that were people, us. And you tell them that they can't be that no more, right. It's like, what the fuck? So first right there there's already like I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. You have to battle through all that shit. You have to battle through, you know, with alcohol brings, you know, like, you know, like your piece, you your kids, we're never born, blah blah blah. You know, like everything I believe that us, you know, coming through this type of cycle, you know, like sometimes females too, you know, like they're oh man, you you, you sound like a girl. <sighs> like oh my god like it's just insane right the shame that we put on kids and things as as we're growing up mm-hmm. not knowing or whatever and then you got to work and weed through that it's like no i am worth something Or oh, hold up you know then you find you know all this stuff you find it out about you and it's like you know you're not going to change like the bad behavior of people because like the interactions and the bad behaviors that you have through these interactions they show you and they, sh- they shape you mm-hmm. but you know to try to stop stop us destroying one in a- one another within our culture there's just the other day we lost an artist right. she was with our pivot show and she didn't Make it because whatever, you know, that happened and that was, you know, it's just, there's people dying and and then there's, there's men that are, that are going to jail for domestic and women that are going to jail for domestic violence. And we're just, it's just happening. And what happens is that broken family and then the child is left behind. And then, you know, now the child's searching for the identity of who they are. And then they're also Native American also Navajo and Hopi and all, there's there, there's this tribal obligation the cultural obligation you know like sometimes even our old people it's like you know you you gotta be good perfect almost the mentality that some people you know like they deter away from the culture because like you, you can't speak good enough for people you know like they're, you're not Navajo enough right. but in this society you're you're not, you're viewed as the, the Indian. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But if I go out to the reservation, people, some of them will be like, you know, like, you know, not to, not to, I mean, just the honest truth, they say, like, you know, you act like one of them, yeah. you know, right. and it's like, fuck. Yeah. So I'm in this pivot that I under, I can see both sides to a certain point, mm. you know what I mean? Um. Is there a point in your mind that sticks out where you started
0: to realize, like where you started to connect the dots from your childhood to your like relationships and how you were behaving and what was going on? Like, is that recent? And why do you think that started happen happening? Like what what did you need, you know?
1: Well, we're all pretty hard headed too, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm hard headed, man. Me, I go Me too, brother. And I will go for like this stuff, these paintings. It's like I'm determined. Yeah. So it's like when I work on a relationship, I, I I put myself into it. That's my that was my philosophy, you know, so it was the relationships that really helped me become aware of it. Not only just the romantic relationships, but, you know, the business partner partnerships that I had client, you know, all these relationships. And that it lets me know, too, that we are all loved by the creator, because the creator is always going to put the situation in front of you for you to become better. If you see it and if you do the the work as far as like, okay, you know, why is it that I keep going through this? I mean, like relationships in my past have landed me in jail. Mm-hmm. They got me to the point where it was like, you know, like when you don't know your own worth... Mm-hmm. And you put your worth in somebody else, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh like, oh, like I was a good boy because, you know, like I dad was mad and I I defused him. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't have that in relationships. So if you can't achieve those things and, you know, like the programming, it's just it's all twisted. Yeah. So the relationships definitely woke me up, you know, and that's that was a gift from from the creator. Yeah for For me to develop myself, and just even being on your podcast, Nico, it's like I feel that my story and the way that I you know tell it the way that I produce my art and who who I am to not only not only our friendship but my people, mm-hmm. you know, like mm, and my family, yeah. you know, I feel it's a puzzle that I kind of solved that would help other people maybe. You know, choose the other direction. But if you get worried about that too much, it's like you you can't control it. All you can do is, it's like advertisement. You put it out, but you don't know if it's, you know, like somebody somewhere, even with your work that you're doing, it's like, you know, there's people that are silent out there that are going through whatever that they're going through and they hear something that is going to be like, okay, because that's meant from, the creator for them to find that too, for their Mm -hmm. own healing and for their own stuff. So one of the things you just brought up was that everyone has their own
0: trauma, no matter who you're with right in a relationship. And that trauma usually comes up if we haven't faced it at some point beforehand. Right. And that's one thing I've, I've learned, you know, recently within the past, probably couple years is that, um, you know, being able to see people, Uh, all people, but especially the, the people I love closely in a light where they have their own trauma that's, and they might not be aware of it. They might be aware of some of it, not all of it. And it's proliferating in their actions and words. Right. And that doesn't necessarily excuse people when, when, when they, when we hurt people, like when we hurt others and when others hurt us, but it does provide us a lens of compassion to be able to look at someone and be like, Oh wait, I've been there. Like they're reacting out of this or that. And, and and it, I think it can provide a space. So we don't necessarily react in unhealthy ways back, you know, we can, we can have some space to breathe and respond. And that's something I've tried to practice more recently. Um, you know, if I even just think about my past relationship, like there were so many times where like, um, I would be triggered and I would just react immediately, you know, and she would be triggered and then it would just continuously go back and forth in this cycle of, uh, unhealthiness, you know? And honestly, it's something that neither of us wanted. We didn't want to be in that cycle of unhealthiness, but we were putting each other in it because of our own trauma and triggers and our own inner child, right? Which is what you spoke about. And I think one of the hardest things for people to do is to let go of the tight grip around wanting someone else to deal with their shit faster than they're able to, you know? Because uh, I'm on this growth journey, if you will, and I'm learning a lot about myself and my my past mistakes in my last relationship and and how I want to be a better partner for whenever my next relationship is going to, you know, uh, originate. And, but I think part of learning, part of that um, growth is letting go of the like tight grip on, you know, wishing someone else was meeting me in a certain space or wishing someone else wanted me, you know? And I think that when we come to a realization that, you know, as you said that like, you know, we have to have a foundation, we have to like embody and be rooted with a sense of self and a sense of worthiness, you know, cause you spoke about, am I, am I worthy? you know, and once we get there and it's never a continuous thing, it's not, you don't just get there and you stay there. It's like, you get there and you have to work to stay there. You know, you have to like continuously be looking for your blind spots. And, and I want to, I want to say this, like, it's not sometimes, it's not, like like you're exhausted all the time. You're always doing the self-work. Now you have to take breaks. You have to, you know, like enjoy your life, create art, like, you know, do these things that like speak to your soul outside of just doing this deep work because you can't just do it all the time. But it is absolutely crucial to get to a point in your life where you feel like you're examining your childhood and your past and your patterns and relationships and being Uh, adamantly honest about what really happened you know Uh, i don't know about you but i mean you're a great storyteller too but like i know in my head i can tell some wicked stories you know i can i can move all the pieces around so it just makes (laughs) so much sense and and i just look like i know what i'm talking about you know and it wasn't until i really was honest with like wait a second with the relationships i've been in with my most recent relationship with this woman i love so deeply you know it wasn't until i was really honest with like okay like I'm not just going to look at it from my perspective. Like, what was she feeling? What was she thinking? Like how, you know, how my, my energy, my words, my actions have affected her response and how it triggered her trauma, you know? And, and once I started to actually s- try to see it from her side and not just like, think about it, like really put myself in her shoes and, and, and almost like look at myself and how I was behaving to my partner, you know, in certain ways, then I could really understand, the 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 ways in which i acted in a healthy way and the ways in which i acted in a super unhealthy way you know and and this is not to say we're striving for perfection here that's that's ridiculous but we are striving to be better you know and that's one thing that i've really appreciated sitting in the tattoo chair with you is that each and every conversation we have you're always bringing up ways in which you're seeing yourself in a different light in which you're trying to be better and um i have mad respect for that dude that is, a, is such a noble um you know part of of living of being
1: alive worth working on yeah i think that's the biggest like self love thing that i was that i like to to do is you know when you're working on yourself uh physically you know psychologically emotionally it's like your life you know it becomes more manageable so your life becomes better and i wanted that for myself Um, I thought I wanted other things, you know, but I knew in my life with the relationships, I knew that, and I had a friend, you know, say this, you know, because when you grow up in that type of environment, you know, it's like, um, you don't know what love is. I have no emphasize on, you have no fucking clue what love is. (laughs) Like the true love, you know, like the, the really like caring, the really just genuine, non-controlling, the just letting you be you and you, you is like, you know, like is accepted. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like the way that soul and say, hey, look at you, you know, like it's just, there's no, it's just there all the time. No matter what happened five minutes ago, you know, you might have, might have stepped on their paw, you know, right. but you know, the interaction's different, you know, um, but, I got myself into relationships where I can't say that it wasn't love, but it wasn't that love. I think that I heard the word attachments, but I think the way that it best describes it is that that partner and I, we loved each other to the understanding that that we thought love was without really understanding what it actually is you know yeah so you know in those type of relationships I just f- see a lot of um you know and 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 you know I'm a male so it's like I see a lot of us men just getting sucked into the and it doesn't matter the gender women same thing uh are, are females you know and um it's really um It's really wreaking havoc on us, on our culture, you know, on our people, um, us men, because we're good. We're good men. You know, we got a lot of things, challenges, alcohol. We got a lot of, uh, you know, childhood trauma, generational trauma, all these things, even trauma from those relationships that we get into that mirror our childhood. Mm -hmm. Working through those things. But, um, yeah, I mean, just. Being able to sit back and look and saying like, okay, why am I here again?
0: <laughs> Simple <laughs> so, question.
1: Yeah. And then the self-love that to me, that's self-love and like, dude, I like to eat the chocolate bars too, man. Mm-hmm. Like some people be like cupcake, I self-love and like, Hey, hell yeah. If it raises the, um, serotonin in your body, you know, but the prolonged habitual self-love of self-discovery of why I was behaving the way and why I was interjected energetically um, in these type of situations, realizing that that was my program from my childhood, yeah. get a better understanding of actual love and healthy relationships that can form my life into what I know it can be.
0: Yep. Uh, you mentioned the word control, and this is this is such a, a huge thing for everyone in a relationship. And, and I know for me too, right? Because uh, historically, you know, I've had my bouts of being an extremely controlling individual. Um, you know, I don't know if it's a Scorpio thing or it's like for my family, uh, there's a lot of different reasons for that. But I will say that control is always rooted in a deep sense of insecurity and fear, right? And so yeah. when we try to control situations outside of our control so i'm not talking about ourselves having yourself under control and being like emotionally stable and emotionally grounded that that's an amazing thing of control i wouldn't even call it control i would just call it groundedness but control is kind of external right so if i'm trying to control my partner trying to control my my work environment and this and that it's usually from a sense of fear and a sense of insecurity you know i i hear a lot of folks especially on instagram i'll get questions on like you know my my um You know, partner has cheated on me in the past. Like, how do I, how do I trust them again? How do I move past not wanting to check their phone every day and, and control them so they can't go out and have, you know, uh, you know, a good time with their friends? And, and I think that's a specific situation where I think trust has to be rebuilt, you know, to relinquish some control. But a lot of times we'll take that learned experience from one relationship and it, it seeps into the next relationship, meaning the next person we fall in love with, we automatically start controlling them the same way because we're preemptively Um, getting ready to experience the same pain we had in in one relationship you know in the one before or from childhood as you brought up and i think that you know men and women alike but as men i think we we have to really be we have to really realize like you know when and why are we trying to control something you know because as you brought up like real love is what you're talking about you don't you're not trying to control anything you're you're letting something be free right now Mm -hmm, now, now this isn't to excuse someone not doing their part and you're letting them be free and they're they're completely not showing up in the relationship it's a different situation right you can let them be free and then they can be single um but if you're in a intimate partnership meaning both of you are contributing and you're trying to control you know your partner that's that's not love that's fear you know and everything we do is based in one of the rooted in one of those two things either love or fear you know your art you make art out of love you could also make out of fear, you know it depends, um, and we can obviously fall into relationships either with full-hearted love, saying that this person, you know, I really want like want to see them do the best they can in their life and contribute to their livelihood just as they contribute to mine, and we build this partnership together. Or we can respond, we can respond to fear and try to control them and keep them as a possession because you know we like having them around or we feel better with them around, and that's that's a completely different perspective. And I really appreciate you touching on control because. It's not something I, I've talked, uh, I haven't had this conversation too much on the show, but I, I'd like to have it more because I think um, even a lot of the questions I get via Instagram, a lot of it is about like, how do I respond to this that my partner is doing? How do I do this, this, and this? And the the questions are almost loaded with the idea of like, how do I control my situation so I don't get fucking burned? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Versus like, how do I build enough self-love, enough self-awareness where I'm not going to be in these situations very often because I wouldn't allow any sort of negative treatment in my life in that way. Uh, you know, I would speak up when it first starts, or I realize that I'm being overly controlling and this person is totally fine, you know, doing what they're doing. Like, um, like it brings up the scenario of like, you know, someone having a friend of the opposite sex. Like, you know, if your partner is like cheated multiple times and is unfaithful, like I can I can see and hear how that, you know, raises questions. But if your partner is given no, you know, um, no indication that they're doing that, then that that's the difference right there. You know, it's like a sense of control preemptively, like uh, this person's done nothing wrong and I'm still trying to control them versus like, okay, we have hist- history here and I, I'm feeling really uncomfortable, you know? So I think that, we have to be honest about where that discomfort is coming from. That's, that's rooting the control. Like, is it coming out of a place of like legitimacy or is it, are we just scared and fearful of something that hasn't even happened yet? And therefore we're trying to control all the parameters involved with these, the person, because we don't want to be hurt, you know, Um, because we're avoiding pain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it's, um, Something that I think about, too, with those type of scenarios and relationships, it's like, you know, I always go back and recently more so it's I go back into, you know, sometimes we don't even know who's our best partner. Right. Identifying if this is an attachment or if identifying if this is, you know, like nurturing and, you know, love, you know are they on the same level as you, you know, it's like, are they aware of their own actions? Are they aware of themselves, you know? And, you know, right now it's kind of, from my perspective, it's a little blurry because I'm, you know, developing new relationships in my life that, um, you know, that are, that are healthy. And it's like, <laughs> it's a whole new thing, you know, it's, a uh, that are more healthy than I ever experienced in my life. And, um, so, I go back to just being grateful to the creator of my unions with my past relationships and letting go of the, you know, trying to work it out because that person is also loved by the creator as well. And that, and their relationship spiritually is going to develop that person on their own level. And I have nothing to do with it. All I can do is say, I love you. And at some cases where, you know, there's um, – there, you can't even have that dialogue. All you can do is just be like, you know, just pray for them. Just like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. And you really don't have to do that because they're taken care of, right. you know. Right. And they're going to go through their own um, waters and deserts and drought and times where they're totally – wreaking the benefits and blessings and graces of life too. Yeah. So I I really look at things like that, you know, after my experience of this too, you know, with not only going through these relationships but, you know, dealing with um addiction, alcohol, dealing with um you know, anger. All these emotions controlling things like that, you know, like it's so it's like once that self-discovery happens and that egg breaks open and you really look and say, "Oh, you know what, maybe this is what these people are talking about that I've been listening to. It's, that's what I can, I relate to that, you know, and, um, you know, just identifying those healthy relationships. Once you got jealousy and controlling, you know, it's hard for people to let go, but it's like, you know, I got to excuse myself from the table because I'm not ready for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. right. you know? yeah. Or it's like, you know, you should have called me. Why didn't you call me? That's why I'm jealous. Mm-hmm. So there's two different, for me, it's like, I look at it and see it that way, you know? Yeah. Uh, but you know, you can go down that road and that's, that's a really thing that I really want to emphasize with my people and anybody that's listening to. It's like, you know, if you have any and grew up in those conditions, you know, it's like, you know, look into that. Look into yourself and look into why. You know, some people they just give up too. They're just like, hey, a relationship's not for me. Right. You know, and there I am again with my codependency. But have you thought about your childhood trauma? Yeah. You know? No, totally, <laughs> man. Like, it, whoa, <laughs> hold up. <laughs> you, know,
0: you know, I will say at like a base level, I think every human being desires relationships. I don't know if they desire like a romantic relationship, you know, I mean, I think that's, it's probably pretty rare for someone not to desire a romantic relationship, but it definitely happens. Um But I don't think anyone wants to be like fully alone, you know, Um if they're really honest, you know, if they're not like speaking out of their trauma, like we're, we're social creatures, we, we want to congregate, we want to be around, you know, other people, not all the time, you know, like, but a lot of some, some people more, some people less, introvert, extroversion, that, that sort of thing. But, you know, and I think as I've you know, you pointed out a really beautiful aspect of how to look at a separation is that you can still say, you know, I love you and, and, you know, let go of someone and wish them the best and, and hope for the best for them, but realize that like you have no control over how they respond to the separation or how, what closure they give you or whatnot, um, my friend, Sean Galanos, who actually just moved to Flagstaff, he's the love drive on, on Instagram and, and TikTok, and he has his own podcast. He actually just had a video this morning that I really enjoyed, which was about closure. You know, and a lot of people ask about like, Hey, how do I get closure from this person? You know, they broke up with me. I broke up with them and, you know, they don't want to talk to me. They don't want to see me. And, um, you can't, you can't force someone to give you closure, but you have to be able to give it to yourself, you know? And that is one of the harder things of losing love in that sense is, is having to come to the realization of giving yourself closure. So making peace and amends with the mistakes you made, the times you were, you know, hurtful, the times you you slipped up, um, you know, the times you were uh, mistrustful, all these other things, right? Making peace with those things, practicing some self-forgiveness, but also using those things as a guide to not let yourself repeat the same mistakes again, you know, whether you're just dating or in another relationship or single. And I think that, that that idea you bring up of just saying like, you know, I, I love you and I'm, I'm letting you go is a really powerful thing. You know, it's not that you don't care. You know, it's not that it, I'm sure if the if the relationship, you know, if it was, you know, going to work out and both people showed up, I'm sure you could repair it. But if someone just wants to leave and they just, you know, leave and they're just like, I'm out, right? Um, a lot of times that's super hurtful. Every, almost every time it's super hurtful. But we also have to realize that like, again, talking about control, you cannot control someone else's behaviors. It, they have every right to act how they want, do it. And that's them, you know, they have to own that. they yeah. words and their actions. But what I've, what I've come to just really like see within you as we've known each other over the past year and a bit is your progression in just like the self-realization and the self-actualization of saying that like, oh, you know what? I just, I can't control anyone else but me. I'm working on my shit and myself. I'm being honest with like my childhood. I'm being honest with what I put into this relationship, the good things and the not so good things because I want to be a better man. And that—that that is like the number one piece of advice I'll give anybody that's coming to me that's like gone through a breakup or gone through a divorce or separation. I'm just like, start by looking at yourself, you know? Stop wondering why they did what they did, this and that. Just start by looking at yourself. And then when you get down that road, then you can start to kind of look around. Okay, maybe I, how I was acting this way, maybe they received it this way, maybe that's why they acted. I'm not saying make excuses for everyone's behavior, but ultimately we can't control anyone else's behavior. We can only control our own, and that's what you're speaking to.
1: Yeah, and you know, like going back and touching on the subject of like you know, everyone has experienced trauma in some certain way, how it affects them and how they relate it to the outside world. You know, when you grow up in the in a situation that I I have, you know, and um, you know, y- you gravitate towards those type of people, and some of those type of people. I mean, everybody, like I said, and I'm not going to point fingers, and I'm not going to say like, okay, there's there's all these personality disorders. Mm-hmm. There's narcissism. There's covert narcissism. There's passive aggressiveness. There's, you know, there's bipolar, you know, BPD, there's you know, all this stuff. But I think that, you know, if you have two individuals that are more on this self actualization and then, you know, self realization and working them themselves, you're gonna get a more of a healthier type of tennis game somebody hitting back at you, you're hitting back, whatever happens in fidelity, communication, whatever it can be on that type of, cause you guys are playing the same game in the relationships that I've been in, in my experience, you know, it's like, you know, they're healing and they're going through their stuff and finding their stuff just as long as, as much as me. And as much as I was in the dark at one point, they could be in that at the point of our, you know, Separation or whatever you want to call it, you know, no longer having a, uh, the, a relationship. Mm. And, um, so I think a lot of those dynamics, they can, they can work when it's, you know, more on the healthy side, but I'm talking about, uh, also from childhood trauma from, um, you know, a, adults, um, of alcoholic children, you know, that you're going to encounter a lot of, those type of behaviors you know there's no way that um that I can diagnose anyone but you know it's, you they're very similar to a lot of a lot of the things that I've researched not only just about myself but you know because you go on an extensive research when you start doing this right. and you you hit a moment of like break you're just like you are saturated to research to the till you dehydrate right <laughs> In this. So you encounter these type of behaviors. So on a level playing field, a lot of good things, a lot of good self-analys, good practice and patience, waiting, showing up, but in toxic relationships and not knowing that you're in a toxic relationship because your understanding of love is so skewed, mm-hmm. it's riddled in and around my people. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm like to share that part, is because I grew up in that alcoholism, I grew up in that, you know, it wasn't just like my dad, it was also my mother, right? You know, it was it was a lot of these, uh, a lot of those things like that, you know, so um sharing that story, I think is, is a different perspective of like, the toxic relationships that I've been in, to where it's like, okay, these two are both like my analogy, p- playing tennis on the same field. You know right. what I mean? And and getting out of that darkness and knowing that, okay, that was love only to the way that I understand love. Right. And it's progressing, you know, and it's progressing. And knowing that, um, you know, touching back on just that letting go, part two is uh, letting go that, you know, that um, if it's not working, it's probably the best for yourself. Yeah. Because it means that, you know, um, it's not up to us. Mm. We can choose to be in a relationship, but the end is, is like, um, it's not, the, the results is not up to us. We're not meant to be together because I believe I got this connection with you. You have to identify and work on that self, whatever it is. It could be an attachment. It could be a, a trauma bond. It could be, you know, it could be all these things, mm. but you won't know. Until you go through it and repeatedly, you know, do that, and those are the type of you know and individuals I believe that could be listening that, uh, you know, could could look into this because there's some people that, I swear, they're like, if I had trauma, you think I would know about it? Right. And there's some people that say, there's nothing wrong with me, yeah. and it's like, you're human, yeah. you know. So, I experienced that. That's the thing that I can bring to the table is like the the toxic behaviors mm-hmm. of just you know generationally just passed down from mother to child, grandparents and stuff and you know a lot of um a lot of that has gone back in our history as people right you know we lived a a different life, you know, and now we have different obstacles that are facing us because we also are like two people in one body. We're cultural, but we're existing in this society too. That adds on a whole complex of stuff. You know? yeah, right. <laughs> of how you're showing up and you know, and how you are as a male and female relationship too. So
0: yeah, and I and I do agree with you that, you know, it's not there's not such a thing as like meant to be together. It's that you make it work. You make it work as a team playing the same game, this infinite game, right? You're, you're keeping the relationship alive because you're putting things into it. You know, you're, you're, you're making like the, you're, you're doing the little things. You're appreciating your partner. You're being grateful. You know, you're practicing self-awareness, relational self-awareness together as like a unit. And that doesn't mean you don't slip up because as you brought up Landis, we're humans. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fuck up. But I think ultimately finding someone that's able to do that, that is down to do that with you, you know? Yeah. Um, And that's, that's the hard thing. I think that's what most people are really, you know, uh, you know, searching for. And that being said, you know, it's like you might find someone that is down to do it with you and you might fuck it up, you know, too. And that happens. And that that there's, (laughs) there's, there's lessons in that. I mean, honestly, that's like, uh, I I have deep feelings of that, you know, from my past relationship is that, you know, there's just, there's some things that i you know, you just don't get back. Right. And, and I think um, one of the hardest things I've experienced is uh, getting to a point of self-forgiveness enough where I see myself in enough human of a lens to be like, okay, you know, I made mistakes. I want to learn from these. I don't want to do these again. I want to be better man you know in the future and you know obviously well i'll know when when i get into my next relationship you know if that's the if yeah. the same patterns and the same trauma resurfaces or if i can if i have done the work to re you know repurpose it and you know um reorganize it in in my own response
1: yeah just looking at your own self as you you know go through those these things too it's like um always taking care of yourself to make yourself you know, down this path of, of a road is your path, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, doing things to, to take care of your future self. And, you know, you go into a relationship, you can go into it and, you know, you can, and it may not work and it may not affect you the same way yeah. as the ones in the past. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, you can let that one go. You know, it was great, you know, and then, you know, and just the, the richness of, of life giving you these experiences, you know, it's, it's remarkable as far as, you know, not only going and experiencing the, I'm going to say wonderful childhood that I had because I do appreciate it. You know, my parents took care of me. I'm alive. They did that, you know? So I appreciate that. But, you know, the richness of, you know, you know, going through the art career and then also tattooing and then, you know, talking about stuff like this, Mm -hmm. you know, It's like, it's good. (laughs) And I'm super happy to to try to really get the real richness and full every minute of life like this. You know, on the opposite end of all the things that I've been through. And I think that's something that, you know, people that are going through this kind of stuff that can recognize some of the things, you know, you can hit that point and the beautiful things that, that arise from your efforts on the self-love and, you know, just putting things in order for yourself, um, you can create beautiful things. You know, I always knew that I didn't always know, but I always had an itch that, you know, like a pain Mm -hmm. I always wanted to, but the type of impact that you can have on not only one person with a tattoo but a community with a mural mm. it's like all about healing right It makes sense that I went through the way that the things that I went through and i'm I'm sharing my art with the world that I way, the way that I am and I say the world because you know the, you know I'm not talking about the whole world'm <laughs> i talking about the world that I have around me right the people that I encounter um and you know all these paintings and all these things they they're all dialogues of what we're talking about now. Right. And to keep pumping that out. And and it's almost like um, the dysfunctional environment um, that I grew up in has um, definitely facilitated the ground for me to go in that deep mm. into not only conversations that we have like this, but into my art. Yeah. And and when you have that on a soul level with other humans, you know I think that you can get that connection. You know, some people look at some of my art and they'd be like, "Well, I like it. I I just I don't know why." Right. Well, because you know we're not only all one as a group, but also in a spiritual level we all are connected in that dimension as well. I believe that it's like that.
0: Do you think that having a connection to spirit?
1: or sort of a spiritual
0: practice has, has helped you heal?
1: Some, I believe that, you know, and I, maybe I might have been, um, had my blinders on at one point like this too, but whatever you want to call it, God or the creator or whatever, you know, I believe that, um, there's some people that are just not even aware that they're embodied in this astronaut suit, so to say, and that they're, that they're there, I believe that once I started to look at that more about myself, yeah, it definitely has blossomed into, you know, some of the best times in my life and and some even just sitting with nothing, no art, nothing, no interaction, no phone and just being okay, you know, and then getting back out in the world and participating the way that I do. Um, and let me know that, um, you know, that I'm created by a higher and then I'm a part of everything that's happening. Um, cause you know, when, you know, when you're a child too, you abandon that. You're like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm a piece of shit. Right. Basically is what, is what, what happens, right. you know, you know, when the, when the caregiver stops saying that or, you know, you create the scenario that impacts that, uh, motion, notion, it's like, you start thinking that for yourself and you program always to be less than everybody. But, you know, getting in touch with the spirituality, it's like, no, we're all equal. We're all the same. Yep. We're all experiencing this life. And it's like, Hey man, Nico, guess what I figured out on my path that might help you. Mm-hmm. And the interaction is completely um, even, you know, So I learn from you and you learn from me and, you know, it's, it's done in, 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 a, in a nourishing way. Right. So. I love it, man.
0: I'm curious, do you think that, you know, how have you approached as you've built this new awareness with your relationship with your parents? Like, uh, you know, how have you approached like seeing them in a new light? Right. Because, you know, you see all this trauma Right That you were raised around, but then you also you know see that they did the best they could with what the trauma that they had you know have you been able to reframe your perspective from you know being a child to the adult you are now of your
1: parents as human beings and that's it right there. human beings it's like how many mistakes have you made, Nico? A lot, my man. A lot. <laughs> I probably outdid you on that one. I don't know. No, I started doing this how. But my parents did the same thing. That's how I get it. That's how I understand it. That's how I. And I think, too, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, fuck. You know, for them, too. It's luckily they survived. My mom, you know, she she survived 51 years, but alcohol took her life. And to watch uh, somebody um from when I was born and having the process and that relationship with alcohol gives me a different understanding about alcohol, mm. you know. And I start really tributing a lot of things, my thoughts, too, you know. Yeah. Like, um, you know, like you were saying, like, having a you know, new frame for my parents, too. It's like, you know, I can, you know, go into, like, have a little bit better understanding about how they were raised, you know. My mom was raised by uh, you know, a Christian single mother. I mean her dad was not there. And, you know, that mirrored the relationships that I had. That scenario, that one scenario right there. But it just what I'm saying is that um I understood that they um they went through their stuff too when they were young. And I'm really grateful that I've come to this point of that awareness and have that understanding for them, about them, on my perspective of them, because I love them, no matter what. I don't care if whatever happened to me, you know, my mind blocks it out, the, the trauma sometimes, you know, so sometimes I see the good stuff, you know, like a lot of times, you know, so... Um, they were just in this road, like you and me trying to figure it out, man. And they were having trying to tug along kids and trying to be like love and like communicate and English and Navajo and traditional and Christianity and society and all the shit, man. You know, they were a plane coming the crash land, you know, right. like into a, a planet that they never knew anything about. Right. But <clears throat> luckily nowadays we are, as the next generation, you know, because my grandparents, they lived on the reservation. They were born in Hogan's. My parents were born in Hogan too, but they moved to the city. Flax. This is how it went in my family. And this is kind of like also with a lot of others is. And then, you know, my kids, they were born in the cities. Mm. So a lot of the cultures thinning out, the understanding and the participation of it. Because again, we get up with the sun, we change with the seasons. In the city, you're like, I got the night shift. Like, what the hell, what's the night shift? You know what I mean? It's different. So, you know, I can understand that my parents went through that. And I'm grateful, man, dude, they gave me a lot of talent. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) no, I hear that, man. Isn't
0: it beautiful to be able to appreciate someone that has given you blessings, but also hurt you. You know, I think, I think that's a beautiful thing. Like your parents giving you life. You know I mean? I, I am, um, hmm. I appreciate everyone in my life that has come and that has taught me a lesson in one way or the other, you know, um, whether that's through pain or through pleasure or through gifts or through taking something, you know, um, because I wouldn't be who I am right now. You know, I wouldn't have this conversation sitting with you, you know, across the screen, having this, this incredible conversation before we end, My brother, I I would love to ask you, like, if you can give, you know, people out there listening one thing of advice that, uh, and it could be multiple things, it doesn't have to be one, but some advice around, you know, what has helped you the most uh, throughout this this past year of healing, uh, finding yourself, you know, building self-awareness and accountability, looking at your past relationship. What are some, what's like the framework in your mind that's really helped you? go reconnect with yourself. So that way, hopefully you
1: grow from your learned experience. You know, I think that, um, you know, you can point out all these little directions like therapy, self-actualization, you know, owning up to my own shit, you know, or whatever, looking into my childhood trauma and really doing some research about my own self and, you know, the mind, the body behaviors and social activities and just how Things can shape us as humans, you know? I wouldn't be where I'm at right now in my progression if it wasn't for those things. But and the deepest part of myself, I believe that, you know, that um, I was very fortunate to have the art there because I knew that I had something, that one foundation, And there's a lot of people out there that have that. They reject that from themselves, even like as beautiful as some of my art is at one point, I was just like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. You know, that wasn't that mentality. So, you know, like if you're, you know, but it doesn't have to be art. It's always something. There is something out there that some, everybody is, has their gift. And you have your purpose that you have. And really, The payback for all of the lessons and the gifts that you've been given, you know, is to the payback is to to live your own rich life, enriched every day. It's to pay back the people that have helped you to develop Mm. who you are today. Not that you have to, but I think about it like that. This person, my dad, he sobered up. So now it's like, you know, um he's a different father. My mother's different relationship with me now. So um going into going into that, it's like um all my ancestors and all of the things, you know, my people were in prison. Yeah. They were killed. <sighs> you know, My people knew about the Anasazi people. You know, they would put a seed in the ground and they would say, I hope. You know, I hope this grows. It was all about the rain and the water. Imagine that person surviving in order for me to be here. You know, like, you know, they measured like how you live through winters, you survive them. So, you know, it's not like a world where you're like, oh, I'm just casually dating. You know, it's like, (laughs) it's like, you know what, you're gonna pair up with that person because that's for the survival of the whole tribe. That was the old ways, in some sense, you know, and they probably knew better than the kids, the elders. But they all had to go through that for me to be here. And I'm super blessed to be a Navajo man. I'm also a little bit of German. My mom was not full Navajo. So there's a long lineage of people surviving and, you know, flourishing and being through drought and even going through the things that in my life thought that. We're gonna take me under <laughs> yep. yep, and I pulled out of those and working on myself to produce the work that I need to produce in this lifetime because it's so short mm. that I need to be at that part to pump this out mm. to share not my only my story but to pump out my artwork so. That's how I look at it as far as like, you know, appreciating yourself and loving yourself to the point where you go into your history and you figure out to the maximum that you can, because you're always going to be blind to a little bit Mm. of who you are. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be like, well, I'm giving and I'm like, I'm I'm with the earth and there's some, there's some shit about you too, because there's shit about me. I play the game too. I conditioned I had if you're in untoxic and you're in unhealthy relationships and you grew up like that, you got a little bit of it in you too. Yeah. identifying those, knowing which ones that are going to progress your own life, your own self-love and getting rid, letting those things die about you that you're holding on to that make you feel like you're human. Right. They're not. You're good just within your own self. Once you have that, you'll attract somebody like that going into the relationship thing. But I I really try to progress myself like that. You know, I relax, too. You know, there's sometimes I don't even work on myself. I'm just like, I'm going to sit on this couch and I'm going to get into this bag of popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) But I love myself for that Mm -hmm. because I make that decision on my own. Mm -hmm. It's not a product of my childhood. I am the one that makes the decision on where I'm at. And I wish the best for me, which is basically what everybody should do for you, yourself, wish the best for yourself.
0: Well said, my man, Landis, uh, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Finally, my brother, I I would love to get you back on, too, because we can get down, uh, you know, so many more avenues of, of life and, and love and chatting about it all. Um, but thank you so much for coming on, man. Where can people go to find your work if they want to purchase some of your art or maybe, you know, um, look at your tattoo work and maybe schedule an appointment with you that way. Where can they go to find
1: you? Well, right now you can hit me up at, um, just to look at my work, you can go on my Instagram at Landisbahi. And just, you know, check out the tattoos. I'm involved in all kinds of stuff. So you're going to see paintings, guitar work, and all this music or, you know, all that. I work at um, Mirror Gallery in Flagstaff. So I usually, you know, I don't have any plans on leaving Flagstaff. So you can find me there. Um, I do have my website coming out. (laughs) It's coming out in two days. Friday. So LandisBahi.com. I'm going to have all, you know, there's going to be stories on there, too a little bit about my work, um, and all of that. And, you know, I just want to tell you too. thank you, Nico, not only for the friendship, but just working on yourself and being an upstanding guy that you, you are, you know, um, you're developing yourself really beautifully. It's nice. Your communication, the way that you speak and you're, you're interacting and developing yourself with all different types of people and levels. And, and it's happy to, it's nice to see, it makes me happy to be witnessing that and seeing you doing that. And it helps me and it motivates me as well. So the interaction, I'm really blessed and I appreciate it, you know, and I wish you the best always. And I wish you the best with, um, you know, peace in your heart, healing and patience, you know, with you and yourself. And I wish all that best for you. So, Thank you. I appreciate that,
0: Lannis. You're the man, dude. And I can't wait to uh to get back in the tattoo chair with you and get some more some more work <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: done. <laughs> All right, man, dude. Thank you very much.